Queer Business Success, the podcast for LGBTQIA business owners, aspiring entrepreneurs, coaches, caregivers, and the allies who love our community. We tell the stories of why our businesses were formed, who we serve, our challenges and successes, and we offer sound advice to our fellow queer entrepreneurs. Our hope is to inspire, enlighten, and highlight the services that our LGBTQIA businesses and allies offer. If we can do this, so can you. We believe that we need more LGBTQIA business owners, not only for our community, but for a better world. Here's our host, Anne-Marie Zanza. Hi, this is Emory Zanzel here. Welcome back to another episode of Queer Business Success. I am so happy and excited to have Becca Mai here today. Becca Mai uses she, her pronouns, and she identifies as cis and pansexual. The name of her business is Wed to You, and she is the first wedding planner we have on this show. So I would really love to dive in with her about this. So a little bit about Becca and her business. She is a business strategist for wedding pros to streamline, automate, and organize. She establishes workflows, creates templates, and and builds out business platforms. But also, Becca is an inclusive wedding planner for amazing humans. She offers full planning, design, and wedding management. Becca, welcome to the show. It's nice to have you. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm like super excited and super pumped to like get into this. And I'm also super honored that I'm your first wedding pro in here. (laughs) You are. Wedding planner. So that's really awesome. This is a new podcast and it's going to be a daily podcast. So we are in pre-production now. And so those of you who are hearing this, probably it's going to be a couple months from now. So we're taping this at the end of July. And I have about 50 shows in the docket right now. And so, um, yes, you are the first wedding planner. <laughs> but that's the only first you are. You're not the first pansexual. And you're not the first girl. You're not the first this year. So... My first question for you, though, is tell me a little bit about your queer journey. Yeah, so my queer journey was a little bit interesting. Growing up in the mountains of West Virginia, it was seen as something that you really shouldn't be. It's kind of shunned. You know, the state is pretty homophobic. um, So it was a little bit tricky. Um, So I always front facing identified as a straight female. So that was always one of the things that growing up, that's how I identified. But on the inside, I knew that that wasn't true. And I really didn't feel comfortable telling anybody until my sister came to me and she said that she was bisexual. And she Mm -hmm. said, well, don't tell anybody because you know, they just, they'll look at you different in, Mm -hmm. you know, in the state and then they won't, you know, want to be your friend anymore or go through all that process. And again, be homophobic. So me and my sister kept it to ourselves. Um, I originally thought that I was bisexual, but then through my kind of journey, um, I realized that I am pansexual, which means I love all humans. And so that was one of the things. So I actually, she was the first person that I told. And then And then my best friend, who I actually moved out to the D.C. area with, she was the other person that knew, too. Mm -hmm. Um, So really kind of close knit. And then now it's just kind of, you know, I actually didn't tell my parents until I was already engaged to my now husband, because, again, it's not it's not an easy road. And it's also something that's not seen 
as okay, you know, Mm -hmm. um, coming from, you know, my family, they're super understanding and they're super like, they, they want to be there for you and they want to understand. Um, and they're very accepting, which I'm really, really grateful for because a lot of queer folks, they don't get that, you know, Mm -hmm. all the time. So I was really honored in that fact. Um, it just was really hard for, you know, them to actually understand what that meant is bisexual around everything. Yeah, it was really, and you know, because my mom's like, well, wait, you're marrying, you're marrying, you know, your husband, Phil. And I'm like, well, yeah, well, he's a human, you know? (laughs) So explaining that to them was, yeah. And like explaining coming into it as being a cis pansexual, you know? So Mm -hmm. like explaining it that way and saying, you know, I am monogamous and, you know, like those types of aspects that just because my sexuality doesn't mean, you know, that I'm just like, okay, we're just going to go loosey-goosey here. It's it's a little bit different and a little bit, you know, unique. Um, and I feel like everybody's journey and also, you know, the way that they classify themselves as, as well as their sexuality is unique. And right. it should Absolutely. be that way, you mm-hmm. know, because that's what makes them them. So my journey coming out was a little bit different. It was a little bit more closeted like a lot of folks coming from the South, you know, because I consider West Virginia the South. <laughs> I mean, if you've ever been to West Virginia, you'll yeah, know yeah, like, okay, the South. <laughs> that is the South. <laughs> yeah. So tell so, me about your, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I didn't, I thought you were done. Go ahead. Oh, you were no, gonna no, finish no, up. no worries. Yeah. And then it was actually me and my partner and we were dating. It was like two weeks into our relationship. And I told him and he was like, we were openly dating at that point. So he was like, dang. And I'm like, oh, is this a problem? You know, because like we really liked one another. And he was like, no, that just means there's more competition that I have to battle. (laughs) (laughs) That's really funny. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So he was like super accepting. And Mm -hmm. I'm so thankful for that because, you know, again, not everybody is as accepting, which again, boggles my mind. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. That's for another show. We can talk about that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so tell me a little bit about your business, Becca. Yeah. So I've been in the wedding industry for over 10 years and I've kind of done a little stint in each segment of it. So I really kind of understand, um, the sales process as well as, you know, the operations process and kind of all the ins and outs. Um, I've worked at venues, caterers, I've helped wedding planners throughout the years. My partner used to be a wedding videographer too, as well. So kind of like understanding again, photography, videography on that, that side of things. When, you know, the pandemic hit, it kind of changed everyone's lives, you know, and for me, it was one of those things that was like a blessing in disguise because um, I had actually gotten diagnosed with MS in the summer of 2019. So I was quickly realizing that I cannot be on my feet anymore for the 16, 18 hour a day type of weddings anymore. And so that was really challenging and being like, okay, well, where do I go from here? And throughout my whole career, I've always been known as the one to create the standard operating procedures and to build out the platforms. And so I've always kind of been that type A person, you know, And so for me, it just felt like the next step to help out 
wedding pros, you know, who may be super creative and they got into this profession because of their creativity and because they really enjoy it and they love it, but they're not made to be admins, you know, they don't know, you know, there's no rule book to owning your business. So, you know, they're not always the most tech savvy or, you know, maybe the most capable of creating those standard operating procedures. It's not that they don't know how to do it. It's just also a lot of like it being pushed on the back burner. So Mm kind of having some accountability too is always nice. So that's actually the reason on why I started my business is because eventually I know that I am going to be in a wheelchair, which again, totally comfortable with. It is, you know, it's one of those things that we'll deal with as, you know, the the kind of years pan out. So I kind of wanted to maintain a business that would be good for that, but still in the wedding industry. And then the other 50% of the time, I am an inclusive wedding planner for amazing humans. So like, I still keep a nice, good balance between the two. Mm-hmm. So what are, so like when you say, you know, it's more the back end of the wedding industry, you know, the things mm-hmm. that people don't think about. So what are, and, and I love that we're talking about this because a lot of times, whatever it, it's like, as people have different needs and sometimes mm-hmm. a, they, they need to find a job that serves their needs. And, and what I hear you doing is sort of future planning, which is so wedding planner of you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so wedding planner of you. Um, I know. So- So your future planning and because you're like, maybe someday I might not be able to move as good as I can now. So how will I be able to earn a living if that happens, which I think is reasonable, but also you're getting really great skills in case that doesn't happen. Sometimes it doesn't happen with people with MS. So tell me, like, what are some of the back end things that you do? Yeah. So um, it's really creating those standard operating procedures, which that actually breaks down into, you know, hard collateral, curated collateral and building out platforms. So like hard collateral is going to be like your um, workflows. So like your sales workflows, your ops workflows, um, your email templates, meeting templates, things that are more internal that are not so much client facing. Mm -hmm. And then the curated collateral or the pretty stuff is what I like to say. Um, Those are the more client facing materials. So like your proposal, your services brochure, um, your welcome letters, mood board templates, and, you know, maybe some how-to guide templates, FAQs, those types of things that are more client facing that are branded um, with your fonts, your colors, uh, logos, as well as um, imagery too. So trying to, and taking the copyright that you have and really kind of plugging it into there as well. And then the building out the platforms, this can range from like Dipsado, HoneyBook, um, more client management softwares to project management softwares like IO Planner, or there's a newer platform that's called That's the One. Um, So a lot of different opportunities kind of there, depending on your business and what works best for you. So it sounds like you're the person that they hand off 
They're like, I don't want to do this, Becca, you do this. <laughs> and they hand off sort of the back end and also the stuff that, you know, the things that they need to do for client facing. And I'm also assuming too, like things clients might need for like, if there's, you know, they're having a program with their wedding or something like that. You do all that stuff too for the wedding planner as well. So for this, it's mainly just the backend items. Mm -hmm. I'm not so much um, like a virtual assistant and like in it every single day, but for them, you know, that could kind of range. Um, But I offer two paths for my clients to take. They can either do the curated experience path, which is kind of like a done for you. Um, Mm -hmm. Again, taking it off their plate and me handling it all. Or we can do a guided implementation, which actually a lot of my clients go with because, you know, they like to have their hands in it and they like to understand, but they just maybe don't know kind of how to go about it or, you know, kind of unsure of like, is this the right way that I'm supposed to do this? Because Mm -hmm. a lot of wedding professionals, they are one person shows, you know, so like they they don't always have something to like bounce ideas off and a full team and like employees and you know, I mean, of course, a lot of them do, but not all of them. No, and a lot, especially also, the ones just getting started too. Exactly. That's what I was going to say, especially the ones just kind of starting their business. They're like, where do I go from here? Like, again, there's no rule book. So it's like, what am I supposed to do? And a lot of times what we do is we kind of just hodgepodge things together in the beginning. And then, you know, three, five, maybe even 10 years from now, then it's kind of like, oh, wait. I'm getting overwhelmed. I need to expand my team, but how am I going to do that? You know, it's all in my head. So my job is to create the brain to paper mentality and to really try to create that foundation for them to enable to grow and to build. Because I like to say like a business is like a house. Like when you're ready to add on to that house, you always have to double check the foundation first. You know, it'd be a really another wonderful place for your services to be used is event planning, like business event planning, where they can, you know, people that do the event planning for major businesses and you do the back end for them. And which would be, you know, it's basically you're getting keeping people organized and getting them organized, you know, early, not five years down the road when everything's in a (laughs) shoebox. Right. Yeah. Right. That's that's always one of the things that I'm like digging through and pulling things out. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that I really want to talk about in queer business success too, is that like, you know, when you're just starting out, you don't think you need to be that organized. You know, it's not, you know, you want to just focus on the thing you want to do, but honestly, it is so much better to be organized from the beginning in the back end stuff. Like, how am I going to bill? How am I going to do contracts? All those things that you don't, you know, how do I do Canva, you know, Canva, which is like the lifeblood of, of, you know, I'm, I'm an expert in Canva and I'm sure, are you Becca? (laughs) Canva, if you don't know, is a really great tool for graphic design and all kinds of um, any type of newsletter, any kind of social post, any kind of, you know, backend stuff that Becca would do. So, you know, like having that stuff really organized in the beginning, and be really helpful. But a lot of times you don't know what you don't know, right? Exactly. Not until you've done it. And so hiring someone like Becca, who's done this already and said, you know, you really should do this, this, and this, because I really believe that we need to take our businesses seriously from the beginning. Because if we don't take ourselves seriously, nobody else is. 
you know. Well, and how do you expect your clients to take you seriously yeah. at that point yeah. too? Yes. You know, it's a lot about what you're presenting to them. It's not necessarily just locking them in on that sale. It's also taking them through the entire process and experience. And you mm-hmm. want that to feel seamless. You don't want them to have buyer's remorse. Yeah, absolutely. You know? We're in, my family's planning a wedding right now. My oldest daughter is actually getting, she got married and now they're having the big Indian wedding in, um, in uh, September and uh they have a wedding planner and, and I, I say, <laughs> uh, yeah, they have a wedding planning because my daughter doesn't like her husband's Indian. And so mm-hmm. like, so it's not like, so for us as the bride's family, we're not familiar with Indian traditions and customs and, and to make a long story short, it's the groom's mother. That's really handing a lot of the stuff, but, mm-hmm. and I'm saying this here because my daughter and, or her wedding planner will never hear this, <laughs> this episode, but she says, you know, she goes, I really like her, but she seems like a board housewife. And this is like her side gig, you know, and it's in, and that's what we're talking about here. She's coming through at, and my daughter who used to plan events for big institutions, Mm -hmm. it's not up to her, her standards. And my daughter is an incredibly loving and kind person, but it makes, so anyway, what happens is it raises my daughter's anxiety about the wedding because she's somebody who's used to planning events and it's just not happening in the way that she would do it. But I've also been teaching her a lot about letting go and just trusting everything's Mm going to work out. Right. Tell me about your other side of your business about planning LGBT. How did you get it? Well, how'd you get into that? Like, yeah, well, before we do that, I just want to say congratulations. Oh, that's so exciting. And I'm so excited for, you know, your family edition and to also be in a different cultural experience Mm -hmm. is always really fun. It is very fun. And I just got my, uh, I had to order my clothes online because I couldn't find anything here. And um, I just got my outfit yesterday and it fits perfectly. I'm glad Indian people are smaller than American people. So Mm -hmm. I had, I ordered like two or three sizes up. I'm really glad I did. (laughs) Yeah. It would never would have fit me, (laughs) but it's beautiful. Yeah. It's really difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. My partner, he is Vietnamese. So mm-hmm. bringing and incorporating in the Vietnamese culture is something that's really important. And I, we also want to do like a tea ceremony because we got married in the middle of the pandemic. So like we weren't able to do a whole lot, mm-hmm. um, but we do want to do that, you know, for one of our anniversaries so that we can incorporate the tea ceremony, incorporate the traditions. And yeah, when I go shopping, it's going to be a little bit interesting Dealing with, you know, a plus size yes, woman. Yes, they are awesome. In... Tiny people. <laughs> yep. Yep. You're like, yep. oh, someone's going to have to make this for me. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's totally. Yes, like, I can't just order this. Like, it's got to be my outfit has to be totally like custom made. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So tell me a little bit um, about your queer side of your business. Yeah. Yeah. So I started in the wedding industry, like I mentioned, like over Mm -hmm. 10 years ago. Um, And my thing has always been, you know, it's love of humans. So I am always here for any human that wants to express their love in any way that they want to do it. And, you know, I help out couples who want to do a wedding their way, because it's 
their day, their way, and whatever that may look like to them, you know, but kind of, I am also a firm believer of spinning tradition on its head. So like taking certain traditions and twisting them and making them to where it's really about the couple and incorporating what they want, but then not so much it being this like cookie cutter thing because individuals are like that individuals. Um, Mm -hmm. So their wedding should feel individual. Mm -hmm. So it shouldn't feel like you have to fit in this box because that box technically doesn't exist. People have this like concept in their mind of like what a wedding is supposed to be and what a wedding is supposed to look like. And it's, you know, my thing is to like break that mold. Like, no, there's no box. There's no lines. It's whatever you want it to be. The only thing is, is to ensure an amazing guest experience. Like you will have to kind of follow through with a good flow, but it doesn't necessarily have to be that cookie cutter tradition. So what are some of the traditions you've turned on its head? Ooh, um, I actually, one of my favorite ones is uh, instead of the um, best man holding the rings, I actually have um, the couple's um, parent hold the rings for them Mm -hmm. so that they feel incorporated into the wedding. And it's also a sign of like, we are here for you and we support you in this new journey. Mm-hmm. So that's one of them is um, it's either the moms or the dads, or um, I've even had to where it's been a grandfather before, which is mm-hmm. really sweet. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really trying to incorporate your loved ones into that. Um, so that was one of them. So and let me ask one, you a question. Yeah. What if somebody's parents don't attend the wedding because they're queer? Yeah. So when that happens, I actually, and I've had it happen quite Mm -hmm. a few times is I really incorporate the one, the loved ones, you know, Mm -hmm. to me, the chosen family, Yeah, the chosen family, it does not have to mean blood, you know? Um, So for that, it's whoever they feel is the one that's most impacted their life and um, most been a part of their journey is the ones that I bring to that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what is the biggest challenges about these two separate businesses? Oh, um, I think sometimes it's when they're in the process of shifting, you know, because they go through mm-hmm. shifts and they go through phases because when, you know, when traditionally wedding pros are a little slower, that's when my back end business picks up. But then when weddings are busier. That's when my wedding site picks up. So mm-hmm. it's, it's that, um, shift change that mm-hmm. is normally sometimes the hardest because sometimes I'll be dealing with multiple clients for the back end as well as multiple wedding couples. So like finding that balance and also finding that balance for myself, both emotionally, physically, and mentally too. Um, so that way I'm not negating any of my duties as, mm-hmm. you know, for those projects or necessarily for those couples or even, you know, my family. Right. Because you have a family too. Um, So wedding seasons, I'm just curious about that because you were saying, you know, the seasons, um, when is the busy time of year for wedding planners? I mean, I guess um, probably late spring to late fall. Yeah. Well, it, 
It really <laughs> ebbs and flows depending on where you're actually located. Um, for the, you know, for the northeastern side of things, um, it's typically, you know, anywhere between late March to uh, early June is like our spring budding season. And then our fall season starts at the beginning of September through mid-November. Mm-hmm. But then for like West Coast and say like Portland, Oregon, for instance, there's, you know, is literally a different time, you know, so like understanding that. So they don't want to get married during like the rainy season. So you have to be cognizant of like when those times are and like what makes sense. And then if you're in California, it's like, okay, anytime. (laughs) Because (laughs) the weather really doesn't change that much, you know? So it's one of those things where it's like, you can get married anytime. So those downtimes maybe don't necessarily exist for certain areas or regions. Mm -hmm. Um, But it does really ebb and flow. But there is, you know, spring and a fall. And of course, I will tell you this, the fall is always busier than the spring. Mm-hmm. Fall is a beautiful time to get. I got married with, oh, with, yeah. with my, my, my wife and I got married in the fall, October 9th. So yeah, it was beautiful. We had a spectacular, it was an outdoor wedding. We had a spectacularly beautiful day. We were really, really lucky. It was like 80 degrees, no humidity. It was like the most gorgeous October day in Nashville you could have ever seen. We were really, oh my gosh, I'm jealous. Really, we're really <laughs> lucky. Yeah. Yeah. My first wedding to my husband, um, it rained on it all day. So, and it was hot. It was August and we were in the middle of the summer. So it was super hot and sticky, you know, and this was, it was such a beautiful day. The second. Yeah. Time. Yeah. It's like, it's like you learn from the first time you're like, I don't want to do that again. <laughs> yeah. And actually I, as a minister who's married people, I would say that um, the first time around, people are more concerned about the actual or about the wedding day and what's going to happen, while the second time around, people are more concerned about the marriage and, you know, like how the marriage is going to be. Now, my wife has been out since 1985. She never, ever, ever in her life thought she was going to have the opportunity to get married. And so that opportunity and to experience a wedding um, was really important to her. I would have literally just gone and gotten married and like, like it wasn't a big deal for me because I had that experience, but it was a big deal for her. And so we had a very, actually my sister who my, who's been to like probably 800 weddings in her life because she's very heteronormative. All her friends, kids get married, all that stuff like that said that it was one of the most beautiful weddings she ever had been to. So I was like, okay, high praise for my sister, but it was a beautiful wedding. We did a lot of things on, we didn't do everything that you do. Like we didn't do the garter, the cake or anything like that. We didn't didn't do any of that. We walked in together. Um, You know, uh, we walked in from different sides and met at the aisle. I mean, so we just, it was, and we also had a pretty religious ceremony. We had a minister um, that's a queer minister uh, because it was really important for both of us um, to have the union um, blessed in a religious way. So, and, you know, it was, super important. And so, you know, um, people do all kinds of things with weddings and, um, I got off on a tangent there. Sorry. (laughs) No, no. I was literally like, so that made me so happy to hear Mm -hmm. because that's one of my things is like, you 
one, you compromise, yeah. which mm-hmm. is a big, a big thing. And also again, you know, your partner was feeling like, I really want to do this. Mm-hmm. And you love your partner so much that you're like, mm-hmm. we can do this. <laughs> we had, it was you know? a fun wedding. It truly was. And everybody yeah. was, you know, we're all older. Everybody was older and we just had a good time, you know? Yeah. Did. And, and I also feel, and a lot of the queer weddings that I do, I feel so much more love in the room. Mm-hmm. It's, it's one of those things that like, they feel like they can finally let go because all of these people are here to love them for them and they already love them for them. So they don't have to feel like they have to hide anything or, you know, sugarcoat anything and they can just be themselves. And it's just the most beautiful thing. Like, I'm not saying that my, you know, hetero couples don't get that because they do. I do get quite a few where they're like very in love, you know, mm-hmm. but I will say this, like the queer ones, it's just so much more like it radiates. Well, because I think one of the things is, is that my, I think that with queer weddings that, you know, it, it was, it's only been legal federally since 2015. That's not even 10 years ago, you know? Wow. And so there is, um, I believe a joy and a respect to have the privilege of being able to get married Mm -hmm. while sometimes not every straight couple does this. And again, just because I've done marriages and stuff like that, sometimes there is a lack of appreciation of the opportunity. Um, I'll never forget way back in the day before I came out or anything like that, my, uh, the minister that I was working with went, went and did a wedding and both the bride and groom were like really drunk at the, at, and she was, and she, and she happened to be gay. Um, I, nobody, I don't think the, the, the bride, bride or groom knew this, but she happened to be gay friend of the bride's mother or something like that. And, um, she was just so angry because she was like, people are so unaware of the privilege that they have. And then they show up at at their wedding, both the bride and the groom, and they were just so drunk that everybody, like she obviously knew, you know? And so I I do think that a lot of times in queer weddings, there is a lot of joy because especially like somebody like my wife and our friends who are all 45, 50 plus. So they grew up in a time when they couldn't get married. And so there is a lot of joy and excitement around the fact that we are now able to be legally married and to be able to, you know, have all the benefits of marriage, which also include a lot of things like people don't think about, like paying taxes, inheritance stuff, social social security, um, health benefits, all kinds of things that people don't think about because they don't have to. And so there's a lot of reasons why having legal marriage between, you know, between folks is really super important. And, you know, even like going to the hospital and, you know, they will give a lot more respect to a husband or a wife than they will to a boyfriend or a girlfriend or even a partner. So, and, and, and if you are not family in the hospital system, you do not have any rights. 
So can you imagine somebody that's been with somebody for 30 years and they're not technically married and they go in the hospital and the hospital just completely dismisses them? And, and oh, yeah, that happens. I mean, I've oh, I know. That. It happens. So yeah. it's really important for those rights to exist for people. Okay. Stepping off my soapbox now. So- no, no, you're totally <laughs> fine. And I was like feeling, you know, the same way. And, and that's one of the things that, again, they just appreciate it so much more. And it's just a joyous experience. And I'm still mind boggled that it hasn't even been 10 years. 10 years. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm just like, why hasn't this been longer? Like, I don't, I just don't, it, it just infuriates me. (laughs) We could probably go on a whole nother (laughs) about that. Um, But yes, you know, people do take things for granted because, you know, it's something that they don't have to worry about or think about. They don't have to think about. And Mm -hmm. also to um, a long time ago, my, um, my second child had to do a um, thing with, and she was, they were in high school at that point and they had, and they used they, them pronouns and they had to do, um, they had to argue against gay marriage, which they didn't want to do. They wanted to do the for gay marriage, but the teacher said, no, you can do the against. And when they did their research, they couldn't find any other reason except religious reasons. There was no other reason besides that. And um, and it, so it, it was really hard for them. Well, they they were able to figure it out and they actually won because they're a very good arguer. But th- that was the only reason why pe- there wasn't marriage between two consenting adults. It was just religious reasons. And that's it. And in a free society, should religious beliefs be um, imposed on everyone? That's my question. I, and by the way, I'm a minister, so, <laughs> but yeah. I would never imp- impose my beliefs on another person. I just wouldn't. That's not my job. Well, and my thing is, is to be honest, I wouldn't necessarily say it's just religion. It's the humans interpreting that religion. True. Those True. are the people that are holding it back, you know? interpreting things that uh, a book technically has said eons ago and interpreting that as like, this is what it's supposed to be. It's like, that's your interpretation. That's not necessarily everyone else's interpretation. It's like when you read another book and you go to book club, you're going to have arguments about it and being like, no, that's not what the author said, or no, that's not what they meant. And oh, I experienced it this way, or oh, I experienced it that way. And that's religion. That's faith, because you experience it the way that you experience it. And it's not the same for everyone. So I want to say, I wouldn't necessarily classify that like religion is holding it back. I would say the humans, you know, enforcing that religion are the ones that are holding it back. Well, of course. And also too, the religion and, and also too, you know, it's so funny, even when we go to talk about interpretation, biblical interpretation, mm-hmm. again, depending on which denomination in you're in, you'll get a totally different read on it. And so Correct. that's really, totally, but that supports what Zbeck is saying. But what's really interesting, because I have been in clergy groups, and when people have who come from conservative traditions are asked to like when they are saying, well, that when someone says to them, well, that's just your interpretation of it. They can't even wrap 
their brain around that they're interpreting interpreting this in a different way they or that there's another way there's another way it. to look at it there's no there's, yeah. there's only one way to look at it there's and, only one way and, and a no. lot of times when somebody is a truly like thoughtful person and is not afraid of challenging their own belief systems, they do start to look at it and be like, yeah, you know, you might be right about that one, you know? So, all right. So we've gone off of a tangent here. I know. I'm so sorry. (laughs) That's okay. (laughs) So let's, so what's the most thing you're proud of in your business and your, and what's like, what's your biggest success? Yeah, I would say my biggest success is just helping humans, whether that be on the back end of the business and helping wedding pros, or that's with my couples, you know, it's providing a hospitable service to them is something that brings me the most joy. And that, you know, for my wedding pro clients, they walk away being like, I increased my sales because I sped up my processes or you know, I got that sale because of this, or, you know, my clients raved about my operations process. Now, you know, those types of things of those success stories make me so happy. And then when my couples come to me at the end of the night and give me a big hug and say that everything was beautiful and everything was amazing and that they actually got to eat and drink and enjoy themselves. You know, those are my three, three things that I make sure that all of my couples do. Um, and which again, always like mind boggles people. Cause they're like, you know, I always hear that I won't eat or drink on my wedding day. And I'm like, no, you will with me. <laughs> so, you know, and my thing is, is I want them to have a blast. So when they come to me at the end of the night and they give me the hugs and they tell me that everything was beautiful and it was everything that they imagined, like that makes my heart well with joy. I bet. So how can people find you, Becca? Yeah. So um, you can find me on um, Wed to You. So it's W-E-D, the number two, Y-O-U. Um, I'm on all social media platforms and as well as on my website, which is www.wedtoyou.co, not .com, .co. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can reach out and I'd love to start a conversation with anyone. So I forgot to ask you this. Yeah. If someone is thinking about going into their wedding industry, what would your mm-hmm. one piece of advice be? Because I've got a lot. <laughs> Go into weddings with love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Go into weddings with love in your heart. You either, you know, wedding, being in the wedding industry, you either love it or you hate it. And there's no in between. Mm-hmm. So when you're going into it, go in it with love and treat every human like a human and as you would want to be treated. That's wonderful advice. Well, Becca May, thank you so much for this conversation today. I really appreciated it. We talked a lot of things besides your business, but I think it was really helpful and it really, I think it will really help some people's learning. So I really appreciate it. Yeah. And I hope so. And I'm here if anybody has any questions. Thank you, Becca. Thank you. You've been listening to Queer Business Success, the podcast that highlights LGBTQIA businesses. New episodes are published regularly on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and other listening platforms. Wherever you're listening, take a moment to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. Are you an entrepreneur who's also queer? Want to share some of your wisdom and experience with the rest of us? 
We'd love to have you on the show. Just click the link in the show notes to apply to be a guest. Until next time, queer friends and allies, keep taking care of business.